Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Agile Pubcast. I'm Jeff Watts and I'm going to start with a public service announcement. Warning! This is our most potentially offensive Pubcast episode ever. Please continue at your own risk. Now that we've got that out of the way, I can tell you that the reason for that was because this Pubcast subject is about taking offence and being offended. Paul and I stumbled across a pub called the Duke of Argyle, which happened to have a number of rules, including no swearing. So we took that and we ran with it. We talked about swearing in teams and different cultures and organisations. We talked about the more general concept of safety within teams and organisations, and whether actually you can offend anybody or whether taking offence is a choice. We talked about how certain social media people seem to take enjoyment from being provocative and upsetting people and being offensive. And then finally, we talked about whether there's ever a right time to be deliberately provocative. Okay, well, we've got the drinks in, so let's get fucking started. Hey, hi. Yo. How are you doing? I'm fine, Jeff. How are you? I, I feel okay. Um, I, I feel like, ha- but yeah, I feel alright, but I do feel like I've got something going on. Got, my eyes are a bit watery, almost like an allergy type, but I don't have allergies and I don't believe in that nonsense, so I'm hoping it'll go away. <laughs> if I believe strongly enough that there's nothing wrong with me, then I will be fine. But yeah, forgive me if I'm blinking a lot. But you, uh, you don't feel 100%, is that what you're saying? No, I, I generally feel alright, apart from my eyes. Okay. But my eyes are sore. I know why. Cheers. Cheers. Nice to see you again. And you. Although I'm seeing you through streaming eyes. But Where are we now, Jeff? We're in the Duke of Argyle. We're in London Town, in the Duke of Argyle pub, uh, Brewer Street. I couldn't really tell you the reason, but it's not far from uh, Piccadilly's Circus. Yeah, it's got the edge of Soho, isn't it? Yeah, edge of Soho. There we go. And <coughs> this is a, a Samuel Smith's pub. We got one of these where I live. Um, well, I think we did a pub. Part of our Christmas podcast was in a Samuel Smith's pub as well in Bristol. That rings a bell. Yeah, in yes. a little booth. Yeah, so we're in a booth now. We're in a booth. I think it's called a snug, but yeah, booth snug. Yeah, and um, yes, because <laughs> now I remember because you didn't really have much of a choice. You said, "No, have you got any cider on tap?" She said, "Yep." Yeah, and I went okay. Give me so, some descriptions, and so she went, "We've got apple cider." <laughs> so you're drinking apple cider, and I'm drinking taddy lager. Uh, which, taddy lager, yeah, which four and a half percent. Doesn't really say much about it, but it's got a lot of picture of wheat on there, and I'm gonna from, looks, the, from the name of the place, Tadcaster. Well, that's where Samuel Smith's Brewery's HQ is, I right. believe. New Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Is it okay? And that, it reminds me a little bit of a shandy. Oh, okay. Almost like a, it's a lager, but it kind of reminds me of a bitter shandy. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit creamy, but fizzy. Which probably sounds horrible, but it isn't. It's not horrible. It's, this would be brilliant on a hot day. Would it? Yeah, Thirst very quencher. refreshing. Mm. Yes. Um, and it, yeah, it's fine. I, I can drink that, not a problem. I, I, I probably wouldn't want too many of them because it'd be a bit bland. I think eventually, but it's 
the end of a nice day or the end of a hard day, especially if it's warm, that would that would go down a treat. And my side, apple cider is um, my first reaction, which I just said to you off uh, off tape, was um, I was confused because it tasted like beer, which is which sounds um, logical, but to me it, it didn't. It, I first sip, it tasted quite ailey. Okay. And uh, whether that does just, it still taste like that? No, it's actually I think it's reduced down there. Maybe it was just a dirty glass. Maybe, but. Um, it's uh, it just tastes like apples, but it had a bit of a beery kind of wheaty, wheaty taste to it. And is that a nice thing? Can no, it my, my immediate my reaction was was no. I didn't okay. like didn't like it, Jeff. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Didn't like change. Don't like change. Don't like whether you stumbled across a happy accident. So I've never heard of people mixing cider and beer before. It probably has got a, a dangerous cocktail name to it. Isn't it? Beer then. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, so one thing I noticed, I don't remember noticing this the last, at the Christmas podcast, but there are signs up here saying swearing is prohibited. Strictly. There's signs up? Yeah. Is there? Yeah. Okay. Signs up saying swearing is strictly prohibited. I d- it doesn't say what the consequences are. Right. Uh, and. Mm, but I'm assuming if we heard it, we'd be able to report it and it would be dealt with. Yeah, by the management. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a Samuel Smith thing. It's not just a this pub thing because I remember the pub in Cheltenham did that had, had signs up in there. I wonder there must be must be a, a backstory to that. Maybe uh, is that it's just an etiquette thing that's always been the, the case. They want to distinguish themselves as you know, kind of um, higher quality drinking establishment yeah. where one didn't swear. I don't know. Maybe. Can I ask? Can I ask about the no swearing policy? <laughs> Where does it come from? Well, I mean, if you're not brewing, someone else is. So, yeah, you know, the brewery is someone else. Okay. So it's about the clientele. So, what are the consequences? What are they supposed to do? You're supposed to kick people out? Yeah. Oh wow! Cool. Awesome. <laughs> there's more. There's, really, there's more wheel rules. Okay, we'll find out later. That's good. So there you go. Something that's insisted upon by the owner of the brewery wants uh, a nicer atmosphere. Can't really argue with that, can you? That's fair enough. But what is swearing? It's offensive. Well. It's subjective, offensive language. Because I think there are some words that some people would class as swearing and some people wouldn't. It's interesting because this, this podcast is technically, you have to specify when you publish this podcast that does this contain explicit content? That's basically because of Nigel. Yeah, so we have to, all of our podcasts are for the, uh, highlighted as containing explicit content. Well, I, I am, um, it's interesting because, so this came up literally this weekend. Okay. With my kids. We always talk about kids a lot. And apparently, um, I wasn't there. This is in the playroom. My, yeah. my daughter was with there with my wife and my, my youngest. My son was there in the playroom all at the same time. And my daughter believed that she heard her mum swear. Hmm. Say, well, my daughter refers to it as a rude word. Okay. And it was, I, I, I later established what the word was, and it was the F word. Okay. But my daughter assumed that my wife had said it. She hadn't said it. But she thought she said something similar. Right. But we were more shocked at the fact that she just said it. Okay. 
said, Mummy, you said the yeah. word. And but my daughter didn't realise the the, the the kind of well, it's to me and to uh, to me and wife that's uh, we kind of we kind of came down on it quite hard. So we should never hear you say things like ne- don't ever say things like that. But she obviously hears it. She's obviously heard the playground. Yeah. She's nine years old, and I'm imagining that kids at that age are familiar with those words. Yeah. Like, I'm just I am I'm I'm hoping and I'm kind of in denial about the whole thing that my 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 kids know of these words. Hmm. But it's. They refer to it as a rude word. They don't refer to it as a swear okay. word, but they refer to it as a rude word. Sometimes it's called curse words, aren't they? Yes. Um, I think it's interesting. I know you've done something around safety with regards to, to swear words. I did a session at one of the um, gatherings in New Orleans, I think it was. I'm not sure. I can't tell you what, what year that was now. But yeah, and it was basically for to write down a list of words... That you, would, that you that you kind of it was finished the sentence you, you you wanted to say an expletive to your boss you, you, and I called the session your boss is a wanker I think that's what I call it. Um, um, but they basically had to come up with a list of words that they would deem unsafe as a way to try and um, it was actually about status about trying to give power to people in certain situations by by okay. by saying uh, expletive words but yeah um, it's amazing how many people. Find that a few people found that quite uncomfortable that session. Yeah, I kind of yeah, it is. But I remember it. So I, I remember that wrong. Um, so I remembered it as a as a way of finding out what a team's level of comfort was with language. Um, yeah. Basically, say, all right, someone say a swear word, and if you're if you're uncomfortable with that, then we need to go down a level. Like level, there are levels of swearing. Aren't there? There's one word is worse than another word, yeah. and so on. Uh, and finding out what that level is in terms of respecting the boundaries of our team members. But well, what I did, well, the way I set the exercise okay. was you had to write a word down. And I think in small groups they had to agree the safety level before they shared it with the wider group. Okay. So they, we basically, I gave pairs the license to come up with any type of word. Yeah. But they would only, if their partner said it, it was acceptable. But if if the partner wasn't prepared to say that word, we couldn't use it in an exercise. That's a kind of how it's, it was a set of activity okay, to right. try and screen out words that were that were taboo. Mm. Taboo. Yeah, I think it's there's an element of <coughs> respecting it. But the, the, for me, the thing about swear words is emphasis. Like, it's been scientifically proven to reduce pain, isn't it, if you can swear? Yeah. I, was saying, I don't know. Yeah. I can, I can, my immediate response was, well, I can see that, but I've, I've got no... If you're able to swear and shout... Out of a, yeah. Like, during labour or whatever... Yeah, it's then, Yeah, it's easier to, to, to channel pain. your pain yeah. through that because it's an exception. But the more you use them, the more it becomes normal, the less power it has. That's interesting. So you wouldn't get the same type of effect if you shout out the word FISH! I don't know. Like you, you punch the pillow. So we tell my son to do this a lot. He gets really frustrated. Go upstairs and punch the pillow. Yeah. And shout into the pillow to okay. get all your frustration out. Okay. But we don't tell him to swear when he does it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, and go and say the word bleep. No. But I, when I umpire cricket, I know you're supposed to... So I'm, you're taught as an umpire to tell the captains that they're allowed to swear and they're allowed to shout, but they're not allowed to shout and swear. 
Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can sweat as long as the people on the boundary can't hear you. And you can shout so the people on the boundary can hear you as long as it's not a swear word. Really? Yeah. That's what I've been taught. But there are other umpires who have stronger views, personal yeah. views on the matter, who will go further. Yeah. And will say to the captains, I don't want to hear any swearing. Which, I think, makes things very difficult. But... The, going back to my original point about yes. normalisation of it. Yes. And that's another way where I think levels come in. So if I was to... I don't know if we should bleep these out in the, in the post-edits. But if I was to say, oh, bloody hell, that uh, wouldn't really... That, to me, is, is bordering on not really being a curse word. But to my mum, it is. Yeah. My mum got... Because I, I threw it into a, a relatively normal conversation. And my mum, my mum called me out and said, Paul, please stop saying that because... To me, that's that's a word that we don't use very much. And there are many people who would be unhappy saying bloody hell, but would be happy saying bloody heck. Yeah. So it's 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 all very personal and cultural. So I think it's an element of respect, finding out what our language is, and not just. So we talked about you know, using terminology, make sure everybody's included. You don't want secret codes going on that exclude different people and stuff like that. Um, I think Nigel, at the time I did my talk in New Orleans, Nigel made a point here, because he was in the session with me, and he, he'd remember this as well, he said, but sometimes even a, a swear word, in inverted commas, doesn't have to be a word that we associate with, with rudeness or offensive language. It could be an organisational swear word. So like deadline or like um, resource or okay. like you know, treating how you'd... Uh, yeah. dare I say it, like Jira or you know, things like that that yeah. are actually offensive yeah. and cause people pain internally. Reviews, appraisals, objectives, you know, the, the kinds of things that rile people up. No, that actually came up in a, in a leadership session I was facilitating last week. Yeah. The word resource being considered yeah. a swear word. Yeah. It, was, it was a word that was banned. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, no, that's a good point. So whatever the, whatever the language is, I think just levels of, not abusive words, I suppose. That's the word I'm looking for. Offensive words. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole shop value side of things. And I don't like it when... So my kids are a bit older than yours, yeah. and so we're a little bit more tolerant. If, if for example, one of my kids gets hurt, like hurts themselves yeah. yesterday, stubbed a toe, and a swear word slips out, we wouldn't no. jump on them. Um, but if they're swearing to cause shock or unnecessarily, yeah. then we would. And I think that's that's an that's an important distinction. And you, you, I think that there's a link there to. Maybe this is probably isn't agile. Well, I suppose it is. Social media. Yeah. So the whole idea of freedom of speech, that freedom of speech is a good thing. Yeah. But if you abuse that to deliberately provoke people, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and that comes up in the scrum values, right? I've had people say, oh, one of the scrum values is openness, so I'm going to tell you exactly what I think about you in a non-respectful way. Which but he, one, he, of the, he, one of the values is respect. Is respect yeah. So we have these almost counterbalancing values. And it is part of our, dare I say, our CST and probably a number of other agreements that we sign is to basically, as ambassadors for the Scrum Alliance, is that we live and breathe those values. Yeah. 
Well, that brings me on to the question that I asked the barmaid there. What are the consequences? Yeah. So I'm bound, and, and you are, bound by not only our formal contracts that we sign around you know, keeping the reputation of the organisations that we represent in good esteem, yeah. uh, but also codes of ethics, codes yeah. of conduct. Yeah. And if I were to go onto social media and post something or write an article, do a YouTube video and be very offensive, then I would expect some consequences as a result of that. Yeah. Um, but if you don't get any consequences, then what's the point in having the codes of ethics? Yeah. I think there's there's a mm, well, this is getting a bit getting a little bit dark, but I know there are it was a bit of a pet peeve of mine. I did tweet something about this recently about how I'm trying to get more zen. Every day I try, and I'm a lot better than I used to be. But there's still something that really riles me, and it's people who have a position of authority, whether formal or informal. Yeah. Respect. They're people that follow them, people that look up to them, and they take that <coughs> take that as an opportunity to just say things for the sake of it. They know it's upsetting, and they don't take their responsibilities seriously. They're not. They're not. They don't care enough. They just, just say it for airtime. For, yeah. For for. for well, I think notoriety is I a currency. Um, Favorite is to say it for social media. For likes. For likes. For comments. For yeah. views. For attention, basically, regardless of what that attention is. And something else I read. I think it was on a TED talk that we looked at. That for one of our courses, I was, stumped, I was looking at the other day. And it said, I can't, again, I'm useless at remembering stats and, and percentages, but it was something very low. Like, um, only like 20% of people actually read an article before they retweet it. So yeah. they, they, they retweet or they um, share based on the headline alone. Yeah. So they don't, they're not actually reading the content, mm. things, but the amount of exposure an author can get yeah. to something that, that the person retweeting might fundamentally disbelieve. Yeah. But just because it's so, it's almost too easy to apparently endorse something, mm -hmm. and, and before you know it, it's viral. Yeah. And people are, are completely unaware of what they're actually endorsing, or what. And it even is a retweet an endorsement, or is it just is a share, is a like a like? Yeah. Because you can't dislike anything. You can't actually on Twitter. You can't. Well, no. Well, you can just get into an abusive argument can't you? I'm going to bring this back to swearing okay and I'm going to bring it back to the pub yeah so you came into this pub yeah you ordered your pint Paul, Paul paid for these pints <laughs> you sat down yes you started drinking yes and you were not aware of the no swearing rule no I was not at no point were you aware of that no I was not so you had joined this you entered into this contract this community this situation without knowledge of the rules so is it fair for the for the establishment to hold yeah, you to those rules it's fair to, to remind me of them would you have come in had you known that rule yes I would would knowing that rule before you stepped in or being allowed to buy a pint would that have changed your opinion about anything I don't know. I think I think it would have. 
it would have made me much more cautious and m much more aware of my of other people. I think. Okay. And I, th I don't, I don't, I think that's a good thing, especially with pubs. I think, I think I want to be. There's an air of, you know, it's a social environment, but equally I don't want it to become an overly aggressive environment, I don't want it to become a, an uncomfortable environment for me. Because I, I personally, to speak, I'm not, I'm not a person that swears a lot anyway, mm. even in um, social situations, no. when I've had a lot, dare I say it, I've had a few drinks, but obviously we're... We, we uh, drink responsible on this podcast, but um, and that that's a big thing as well, right? So when you do swear, mm. I know something's going on. Really? Well, yeah, because you don't normally swear, so you're obviously there's there's a lot of emotion going on when yeah, you, yeah. when you resort to that. Yeah. Whereas Nigel, <laughs> either he's always emotional or it has less there are other triggers impact. that you think. Yeah, maybe. So you look for other things and think something's going on with Nigel, mm. as an example. So that it, it's a it's the absence. And you know the volume of it, I think. So the, are you signing up to something? Are you? To, um, I'm going to do exactly what you did there. I'm going to quote a video without being aware <laughs> of the stat. Yes. But Dan Ariely talks about how um, everybody cheats. Mm -hmm. All humans cheat a little bit. And there are there are ways that we can reduce the incidence of that. Yeah. And one of them is to just be aware of to read a code of conduct whether it be the Ten Commandments even if you're not religious right okay just something that talks about morals ethics values okay. expected yeah. behaviours those kinds of things if you read that whether or not you agree with it or not you're slightly more conscious of your behaviour and your impact on others and you therefore cheat less you do less destructive behaviour and I think with Agile teams there's an element of that's one of the reasons why Norm Kurth brought this prime directive into the retrospectives right? to, to just get everybody level set again yeah. in terms of their constructive yeah. behaviours and it, it seems a bit repetitive to state that at the start of every retrospective but it is a good way of, of level setting and just getting everybody back to a more constructive yeah. frame of mind but if you have a team um, where was I? Oh, I was at a counselling course, um, and we talked about some agreed behaviours, uh, and coming up with our own sort of agreement as a group as to what we would do and what we wouldn't do. And I asked the question, what happens if we break these agreements? And um, the, the trainer said, well, we, we just hope you won't. Um, and to me, hope's not a strategy. Mm. But there is an element of, just by talking them through, mm. there's less chance of them being broken. But equally, knowing what will happen before it happens makes the first sanction less personal. Mm. Because otherwise we, we, have to make, we have to decide what to do about that particular incident. And then it becomes about that person mm. rather than the rule itself. But another part of me thinks you don't want to preempt things. And actually, putting in place some kind of punishment can have a, an opposite effect. It's a, so, I try to look at this a different way as well, in terms of rules about etiquette. Because if, if it, just to take it this swearing thing a bit further, so if, if someone, for instance, walked into this area now, or the barmaid picked up on bad language that we were using and said, um, I'm here, I've noticed that you know, you're using a lot of language here and I've had, um, I personally find that quite offensive Do you not use it. I'd be, I'd be really, um, 
I feel, I feel, ter I feel terrible. If, if, I, if I had said something, even just under my breath or language or any anything that I had offended someone, maybe it's just the person I am, I would, I would say, I'm very sorry about that. I'll be, you know, I'll put that right. I'll, you won't hear that from me again. Yeah. And, but I think, and, and even with, I'm not saying it's swearing, but in situations I've been in where teams have, there's particular behaviours, or ban people say it's banter, but if people have found banter um, in their own particular way offensive, or they just rather wouldn't happen, someone in the team has called them out on it, saying for, for that reason, for these reasons, I prefer you not to do that, would that be okay? They said, yeah, absolutely fine. And there's an element of respect. That when, takes a lot of courage, doesn't it, to say that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But it would happen here. I think in this environment it would happen. Yeah. And if, and if I'll tell you one thing, if I was in a pub, a family pub and my kids were here, I would have no problem with going up to someone and telling them that I, your language is offending me and my family. Okay. Stop it. So where, I think where you feel you've got something to defend, whether it's your own integrity or, or the people, if you felt, as a scrum master, if you felt an obligation to protect your team, yeah. I think you absolutely would do that. It's an interesting quote, isn't it, that I cannot offend you, but you can choose to be offended. Yeah. There's a can of worms. <laughs> Discuss. Yeah. Yeah, I think different things do do offend people. And, um, but you can only be offended if you choose to be offended. If you choose to take offence. Yeah. Yeah. And it can, I think that can be very... Very subjective, based on based on my mood, the time of day, how much sugar so I've had. How do I know what to do then? How do I know where I stand? If one day you might be offended by something I say, and one day you might not, depending on your mood. I think we're very good at reading body language. But not if I'm on the other side of the bar. No, but then that's just awareness. Someone would have to call call it out. I'm trying to think of different situations where it would happen. Football matches. You hear bad language three, four, five rows ahead of you, which you know that your children can hear, or that offends you personally. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because that's a culture that is so slowly changing, but it is changing, but so slowly. I don't think it's changing at all. Don't get me onto that. I don't. I don't think it's. I think the media would like to think that it's changing. I don't think it's changing. At all. I mean, I, I I can remember going to football matches as a six, seven, eight-year-old and seeing just insane behaviour like police being and police horses in front of me being mm. kicked and things and you don't see that much anymore not as much well parents that have been to my, my kids schools who've taken their kids to Bradford and Unhaven Town I probably shouldn't say that on this but football club a low league non-league yeah. tin pot football club have now refused to take their kids again because of language, okay. and it's and it's it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be um, an, a lot, thousands of people saying it. No. It just has to be one. I know my, my I took my boy and he, he hasn't wanted to go since. No, but but I, I think it's a point back to language as well. I think a lot, I think a lot of the language, the harshness. Let's just not, not even say swearing rudeness, but let's say the harshness of language, the emphasis, like you said, the emphasis on language is inevitably a power thing. Mm. I think people use it to, to beat their chest yeah. and, to, and to give them gravitas and to give them, the, the, on social media, to give them the, 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 the table banging power. Yeah. It's for 
you know, it's to resonate. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, if if um, especially with kids as well, people, kids, kids will, kids will see that as as threatening, aggressive behaviour. It is. It, it is. doesn't have to be anything. You can say any statement, regardless of language, in an aggressive manner. And we're human beings, the, the apes that we are, we react defensive. If, we, if we're submissive, we'll react very submissive to a, to a very aggressive character or personality in, in a team. Mm. I've seen it in scrum teams <coughs> where people just have an outburst, mm. a verbal, a big verbal kind of tirade, not using any language, but just dominating the airwaves. And we've seen it in meetings that people just shrink back into themselves yeah. because it doesn't fit with their, you know, it's, um, it's power, it's, it's a power trip for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think you see that a lot on social media as well. Yeah. Going back to the social media <coughs> vent yeah. that I had, um, I mean, we won't, we won't name names. Because we don't do that on this podcast. Let's call him Ian. Yeah. <laughs> may, 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 maybe we'll call him Ian. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe Ian. He um, has a following and has always had a reputation for being an alternative thinker. And I think it's a valuable thing. Challenge the status quo. Mm-hmm. Challenge assumptions be the voice of the minority and so on but I think this comes back to my point about swearing for swearing's sake if you're provoking for the sake of provoking yeah then is that valuable and I find that quite immoral Mm. unethical Mm -hmm. um, and distasteful because I know thousands of people would be hurt by what, what he said and he knows people will be hurt by what he said and the kind of people that will be hurt by what he says are the people least able and least confident to defend their point of view Um, and he's doing it for engagement, he's doing it for notoriety he's doing it to be provocative to build up his brand and I just think that's irresponsible but that's you also look at it in the grand scheme of things that Social media, social media is, is a powerful but equally dangerous tool, isn't it? That if that is the only exposure you get to the agile community, it wouldn't be my last. It wouldn't want to be my lasting memory of the agile community as I know it. Because no. our our um, our relationships that we formed are formed hopefully on personal interaction but not all of them no I know and that's what I'm saying I'm thousands for, of people. For, a, for a relative new, newcomer last one two years to the agile community if, if social media was your only interaction with us with, with the people that we are with, with, with the values that we espouse I think I think you've got me quite worried about what you see and what you hear in, in, in some respects yeah it is a dangerous thing. So, how oh. can we bring this to a close? Because I think we're. we're so now, all right then. So Thirty-two minutes. Let's bring, yeah, let's bring this back. This. So let's say we've got a mix in a team, all right? Because you talked about banter. Yeah. Personally, I quite enjoy banter. I quite like that. But equally, I'm very conscious of people who don't. 
So how do you square that? If you've got some members of the team who enjoy a bit of banter and think all of this, you know, being not swearing and being politically correct is all just getting in the way of real human interaction. Yeah. It's fake. And the people who don't feel comfortable enough to engage in the banter and want some want some boundaries. How do you create a team in that environment? I think you can, absolutely can. I think you know you have to draw examples, protocols to allow teams to find that boundary. And it, might, it might be a bit of trial and error. It might be a bit of having a more reactionary, having a system in place that a tap out, safe word, whatever it might be that, that you've overstepping the line there. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't want to formalise times and places that you have. You have to go to that room if you want to banter. We, we do work here. But I think having a, just being aware of systems and protocols and emotional intelligence. Is there a rock, paper, scissors thing here? Come on. So if, for example, your tolerance for banter is significantly lower than mine. Yeah. And actually, a part of what makes work meaningful for me is having banter with my colleagues. So I, let's say, I, let's say I, I have a need for banter, yeah. and you have a need for uh, respectful, yeah. professional communication at all times. Does one of those trump the other? I don't think it can. Like rock, paper, scissors, you know? I think it's a, it's a, it has to be a mutually beneficial environment. So is it about finding a compromise or is it about saying, do you know what, those two needs are mutually exclusive, you probably can't be part of a, a high-performing team? I think you can be part of a high-performing team without, without, that, without banter and without... I think I don't. You think that, but I'm saying I, I'm, I'm coming to this team saying I, I need banter. Yeah. That's one of my needs. But that that would be something you quite quickly establish isn't there. If it's not there, you'd have to look at culturally. Is this a team I want to be part of? Could I, I could try and change that culture. And but is the obligation on me to temper my expectations to say, uh, I'll, I'll put my need to one side, mm. or is it the obligation on the person to say, all right, you have, that, you have that need for banter, I will put myself outside of my comfort zone, do we need to meet halfway, or is it mutually incompatible? I think, I think it's more likely to be harder to find a compromise because it's a human it's a something and it's a, something a lot harder to measure and test and to stabilise because it's, it's so mood dependent isn't it mm. that oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like an all yeah it's like you can look, walk into some of the teams that I coach and hear a pin drop but I think if that was me, well, I can think of even teams in BT or not so much in Nokia because it's a very different culture, culturally a different company. But I can think of BT teams that I walked into, and it was like that metaphorical pin would drop. 
and I would instantly feel, you know what, I don't want to be here very long. And I'd be lo looking at either... My instinct was not to change those people, was just to engineer myself a way out of that. So I think... I think it would be very, un very unfulfilling for me, for me, I can only say it for me, to, to try and make that work for me. If it was something that was fundamentally missing for me as a team member, um, and I was out, you know, kind of the general consensus was that that wasn't for me. I, I'd be looking for a way out that team pretty quickly. I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I think um, just talking from the UK here, but it's probably more. I think it's relatively westernised view is that the need for minimising offence outweighs Trump's and individuals' desire for banter. I think that's that's the current state of society. I'm not saying it's good, I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying I think that's what I see. Um, and so what I tend to see is that being a factor in team dynamics, team formations. So if you have those kinds of characters, they will tend to group together and form a team rather than try and make them fit a politically correct team. It kind of flies in the face of what we, in complex domains, we want diversity. Mm -hmm. We actually want conflict. We actually want respect. Respect. We 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 want. But you what you do want differences of opinion. Yeah. They are very carefully and constructively facilitated. Yeah. It's, I think it's much easier to conform around no swearing, around be polite, be you know. Um, I think you could facilitate a compromise. You think you could? I think you could. I think I could in some circumstances, because I think I could, I could, I could regulate my need for banter, and if I was on the other side, I could create conditions where people could have banter within certain conditions. I could set some constraints, you know, some red lines, if you like. Yeah. You know, banter is not acceptable in these domains, these topics. It's like with improv. Um, they have, they're almost the comedy store players. Andy Smart told me this once. It's any suggestions that are in any way homophobic, racist, or they've got, they have unwritten rules of when a suggestion is no. It's okay because people think they're improbable about saying yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about saying yes, but no. It's there are bang, bang, bang. If you if you make a suggestion as an audience member yeah. along those lines, instant, instant no. Yeah. So there are kind of tacit agreements, and that's across that's across teams. That's a cultural thing. That's a mm. an industry thing. Yeah. So when you even move to different improv groups, you kind of know that that's the. But there's an interesting thing around that. when you talk about distributed teams, globally distributed teams. You're talking potentially eight different cultures, ten different cultures in one team. Yes. Yeah. And what's accepted in one culture might not be accepted in another. So, is there a common culture? No. No. So, how? You know, what trumps what? Do you go to the lowest common denominator of acceptability? At the risk of upsetting members of that team. 
Doesn't seem like a great place to stop. <laughs> but it is. It is what it is. Because we're empty. My pint's finished. Yeah. That was a good one. That was that was ooh, uncomfortably deep. Yeah. Well let's let's ooh. see let's see where it works. Oh, we're <laughs> uncomfortably deep. They never had never thought I'd hear myself say that on a podcast. Yeah. That's that's too much banter for me. You made me uncomfortable. <laughs> you've hit yeah, we've got to cross the line there. Yeah, I'm calling time out. Alright, hang out. Uh, nice to see you. Cheers all. See you again soon. Ta-ra.